Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast with me, your host, Robin Baldwin. This show is to inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. But what is an alpha female? An alpha female is a powerful and assertive woman. Her confidence is due to being an intelligent and intellectual problem solver. She chooses ambition and is proud of it, but strives for a happy and healthy work-life harmony. An alpha female puts herself first, sticks to her priorities, but nurtures relationships with all the people in her life. So let's get started. I've alluded to in the past how I use essential oils in my life to uplevel my health. They're just basically a tool in my healthcare tool belt. If you're confused about how to use essential oils and you have no idea how to incorporate them in your life, I want to provide you with my top 10 ways to use essential oils cheat sheet. So head on over to bit.ly forward slash oil cheat sheet. That's bit.ly forward slash oil cheat sheet. O-I-L-C-H-E-A-T-S-H-E-E-T to get your free copy now. You are listening to the Alpha Female Podcast, episode 91. All links and show notes can be found at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. Today on the show, we're talking to Jill Coleman. Jill is the founder of JillFit.com, which launched back in 2010, and is the co-founder of The Metabolic Effect. Her 16-year journey in the health and fitness industry began when she got her very first job at a gym just for the free membership at 15. Since then, it's been a whirlwind of education in exercise, science, and nutrition, fitness competitions, landing several national covers for fitness modeling, and plenty of business growth. Her passion lies in coaching mindset and body and business. Through her flagship program, The Best of You, otherwise known as Boy Coaching Club, as well as a few signature online programs like the Mindset Makeover, the Food Obsession Bootcamp, and the 52-week exercise program, The Total Training Experience. Welcome to the show, Jill. (laughs) Thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to talk about this stuff. You've got so much going on. Even when I went over to your like Instagram ahead of time, um, you've got like uh, like a fitness workout going on. So it's like we can name all of the things that you're doing. But uh, I love how you're showing up in the world. And we've known each other since our fitness model international or FMI days. So it's cool to connect and watch how you've been growing in the online world. Same for you. Yeah, I love the podcast and I keep seeing people I know on your show and I'm like, this girl's just crushing right now. So very cool. So when I read you the definition of alpha female before we got on, what did you think of it and how do you see yourself as one? Yeah, I love that definition. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. And um, you know, it's so interesting. The world the word alpha, I think alpha has like it's kind of polarizing in a sense. You know what I mean? I think part of being an alpha, I, I definitely um identify with that definition, mostly in the aspect of showing up authentically and showing up unapologetically. So I haven't always been that way. It's been just like the last few years that I feel like I've really embraced that because it can be really scary to show up fully in your power or to even know what that means to show up fully in your power. I know we kind of say that. Um, And for me, it has a lot to do with being unapologetic about the things that you stand for. And so sometimes a lot of us don't even really know the things that we do stand for. And so when we get clear on those kind of lines in the sand, whether it's in our business or in our relationships, or we're able to be honest in our relationships or in our integrity, and we kind of know what our honor code is, then I think we can um, show up in those ways 
and not be so scared of the fallout or not be so scared of what other people think. So for me, I identify most with kind of like the unapologetic showing up in your authentic way of being and allowing the chips to fall in terms of how that is received. And as women, I think we, and I'm sure there are men like this too, but as women, I know for the people that I work with, it, it can be really scary to think about, you know, people potentially not liking that or, ha- or feeling sensitive about that. And so maybe moving through that scariness or, or not being so attached to controlling how people see you. For me, that's the part that I really embraced and has been a practice but it's liberating. And so, yeah. I have so many guests that like we identify with like the, like recovering people pleasers. And it's, it seems to be uh, very much a theme with so many of us. Um, But when I say like, we want to nurture relationships in our life, we know the ones that fill us up now after we've, you know, gone through like a gamut of, you know, romantic personal relationships. So we know which ones serve us and we want to nurture those, but we, we also probably have been people pleasers for so long and we're like, we can't do that anymore if we're going to be authentically and show up for ourselves. I think it's a discernment process, isn't it? It's like you said, it's like, you know, the relationships that you really want to nurture. When I first got started in online business, especially, we see this kind of play out a lot because, you know, we, we tend to have people who don't agree with us. We have quote haters or trolls or whatever. And the longer you've been in business and the bigger platform becomes, the more you kind of see and have those experiences. And so I remember early on in my career, I mean, it would ruin my entire week if I had someone who, who didn't agree with me or called me out on something or, um, and, and you know, I think it's a process of just going through and realizing the people who you want to give the attention to. I'm definitely open to criticism. I'm definitely open to feedback, but the person has to be someone that I trust. And so, you know, someone on the internet, I didn't have a lot of discernment early on. I was like, this person hates me. Meanwhile, I don't even know who that person is, or I don't want this person down. And it was like a random, you know, potential customer that I had never met before versus feeling like I don't want to let down my close family and friends. Now that's who I give my emotional energy to. And I'm, I'm not scared to go deep with them. But for everyone else, it just rolls off. Yeah. And I love when I read out people's bios, and I'm able to cover kind of a gamut of the quote unquote, like journey that everyone goes through, because it's, it's so true that everything that we've done shapes us into who we are. And we come from, you know, a fitness modeling background and fitness competition background. And you've, do- you've like dived in incredibly to the online entrepreneurial world. Um, but the things that, you know, we, you know, former fitness model or for, you know, former fitness competitor, those things still shaped, uh, the discernment process. And I don't think I would have learned so much, uh, discernment now if I had not gone through those things. So I love that aspect of people's bios. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things, though, and I know for me, and I can only speak for myself and for some of the women I've worked with is we got into the fitness modeling space, or at least I did into competing, because I really liked the idea of working really hard for something and kind of having quote the perfect body, right? So I didn't know why I just was like, Oh, I'm, I'm into fitness, I'm into nutrition, let me get even let me take it to the next level. Let's see if I can do this. It was kind of like a you know, let me see if I can up level and really be in the top 0.001% who can commit to something this extreme. And I like the idea of that, but never did I ask myself, why was I doing this? Or why did I feel like I needed to have the perfect body all the time? Or I need to get Atlanta cover or be in a fitness magazine. I never asked myself what those things were. Like they were a vehicle. Yes, they were nice goals to have. But once you kind of reach them, you got up on stage or you win a show or you place or whatever, it's kind of like, what's the next thing? And so I've noticed that 
as I started moving away from fitness modeling and doing competitions, it manifests in business the exact same way. Oh, I need to sell this many units or I need to have this many clients or I need to. And so until you unpack a lot of that, maybe insecurity or not feeling good enough and really kind of look at it, it just translates into the next thing that you're doing, right? So whether it's about your body, whether it's about your business, whether it's about having the the perfect romantic relationship, it's all the same kind of insecurity dressed up in a different outfit. And so a lot of my journey has really been into introspection and mindset around like, why do I feel like I need to, to always be a people pleaser, right? What does it mean if someone disagrees with me? Does it mean I'm not good? Or does it mean I suck? Or it validates the insecurity that I already have. And so it's been interesting to kind of see that even in the entrepreneurial space play out and kind of still <laughs> getting my buttons pushed and working through those moments of insecurity too. Mm. Um, and I love how you say like, it's also kind of the uh, achievement overachiever syndrome that a lot of alpha females have that we do throw ourselves full, like, and wholeheartedly into things. Um, and that's why, you know, we're very successful at any kind of thing on the checklist that we, we choose to attack. So, um, this segues nicely into my next question, but in today's day and age, what are you most passionate about now? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm so much more passionate now about my clients getting results, which is different. Because I think, you know, when you're coming from like a fitness modeling, you know, competitor background for me, yes, I was personal training and I had clients, but it was all about, you know, my journey and, you know, about my ego and about can I have like ripped abs and can I get into a magazine and can I land a cover and can I uh, win the competition? Then when I started my business in 2010, it became about adding value to other people's lives. So it wasn't just my 10 clients at the gym who I got to see a couple times a week and we had this little, you know, chat and I was kind of like their counselor and I was like, okay, see you next week. That was great. But I didn't really feel a sense of purpose until I started uh, reaching uh, more people via the internet space. And so for me, blogging now became the way, the vehicle in which I could feel a sense of purpose and passion. And so sharing my story, sharing my vulnerabilities, having people kind of relate to that and feel not, not as alone because of it, um, being able to create a community of people who want to level up or like-minded women who are interested in becoming like what you would call an alpha female. I think being able to create that space online for me now, it's the women that I'm working with when I see them getting results and I see them leveling up and I see them helping. It's this huge ripple effect that you can't even measure. And to me, that is what gets me super fired up. Mm, I love it. So one thing that uh, the listeners I know tune in weekly to this show for is how my alpha females are structuring their day as they're going after these goals and ambitions. So we don't talk about work-life balance because I don't believe it exists. And that's why work-life harmony has been interwoven into this show. So what does your work-life harmony mean to you? And how, like, how do you structure your days? Even give us kind of like some nuggets of, um, like tips and tricks that you use to build your day. Yeah. I love that you said that because I believe the same, I actually call it work-life integration. So for me, it's very much like, and, and I think it depends on what, you know, I, I think it depends on what your purpose is and what your meaning is for a lot of people. It's their family, right? So they go to a job so that they can provide for their family. They don't necessarily love their job. They feel like it's maybe not the thing that they were meant to do in life or that for them, they were meant to be a mom or a dad or a brother or sister or, niece or you know, an uncle or an aunt or whatever it was. Um, and so I think it just depends on they might have a different 
the, the way work-life integration might look for them might be different. For me, because I have a personal brand and you're probably the same, Robin, we're, like my messages, my face is out in front in the, the things that I'm creating. So for me, uh, it's not just what I do. It's actually who I am. So my business actually is who I am. So I work with women who are like, should I you know, post business stuff on my personal Facebook page? And I'm like, yes, this is actually you now, right? You don't separate the two. So as a personal brand, it's all the same thing. My, my Instagram and my uh, Facebook and who I am in person. If you meet me at a conference, like it's all the same person. It's never different. It's 100% cohesive and it's 100% congruent. So work-life integration for me is I'm working every day in some capacity. Um, so tips and tricks, However, I can't like sit and write like 4,000 words or a bunch of emails all day long without taking breaks. For me, I read this book called um, The Power of Full Engagement years ago. It's an older book and it talks about managing your energy. And so one of the big takeaways prior to that, a lot of my value system was around being busy. I felt like if I was busy and people wanted my time, I was important. However, I wasn't really getting as much work done. I wasn't actually creating things that could leverage. So for me now, what I use something I call anchor actions. These are actions that I do every day that actually leverage. So it's not just taking time away to go on a walk or to work out. I'm only choosing activities up to three a day that when I do them, I actually come back to my work more energized and more engaged and focused. So that's not everything. For example, you know, laying on the couch and watching television feels nice for like the first 30 minutes. I'm like, ah, this is so relaxing. But what I found was the more television I watched, the more drained and lethargic I felt. I did not feel creative. And when I came back to my work, it was even harder to get started. And so these anchor actions actually do the opposite of that. They actually make me feel more engaged and more creative as a result of doing them. So things that I always do, I always do 30 minutes of weight training a day. Most days, uh, I do at least a 30 minute leisure walk. I have a puppy. And so I spend time with her doing a, at least a 30 minute leisure walk. And I try and get eight hours of sleep a night. And so I know that those are kind of like cliche, but for me, I don't worry about, I have to eat perfectly. And I don't worry about, you know, drinking a gallon of water. And I don't, you know, I don't worry about getting a massage every week. Like that might be someone else's anchor action. But for me, these are the three daily things that when I do them, I feel 100% present and focused when I'm working. So I have to work every day, but I do incorporate these things throughout the day as well. Mm -hmm. And are those the ones that you, you like to actually take notice of because the other ones might be just so, you know, already so woven into your life that, you know, drinking water first thing in the morning, um, or, uh, you know, making sure that you're doing mobility exercises or stretching after a workout, like those are just so easily woven into your life that you don't recognize them as, um, things that are taking care of yourself. You know, maybe, but I do have times like, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone who is not super strict on my nutrition. I was for a number of years. So when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to, you know, stretching and stuff like that, I'm not the best at that stuff. In fact, if I'm going through a launch, you know, I'll eat like, I'll like have a glass of wine and like a chocolate bar for dinner. Like I, I'm really not, I mean, on, in general, I eat very healthy in terms of like eating a lot of vegetables and lean proteins. And so I guess from that aspect, but I'm not super strict when it comes to, if I'm in a high stress situation or I'm doing a launch or I have a lot going on, I, to me, those are small rocks because I know when things calm down, I'll be able to get better at that stuff. But I never, um, I never neglect the three big ones for me, which are a leisure walk, eight hours of sleep and getting in 30 minutes of weight training. And so, yeah, but the rest, I just do my best. So did you know that your little girl and my puppy are the same age? 
my God, really? Yeah. So I love that you also have a, an Instagram account for Pip the Pomsky. Um, but Pip was born like one day before Rogue, my Dutch shepherd. How big is she? Rogue is a she as well, but looks like a boy. So we have the same problem. Um, but Rogue is full grown at like 60, 70 pounds. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Pip is like eight and a half pounds. That's a little... <laughs> That's awesome. And it's so true, like having, having that fur companion, especially dogs, um, although there are people that walk their cats, so I won't discount that. But like ha- having that in our lives is so, um, it's so important because yes, it's like so easy to get that walk in where we may have been obsessed with other forms of cardio before dogs, but it's like, oh, I don't, I don't need to spend hours on the, on the trainer when I'm getting an amazing relaxing walk in, which is actually serving my body so much better. Yeah, you know, I definitely take it for granted the fact that I live, you know, in Southern California and the weather's always amazing. And I know for a lot of people, they're not able to do that leisure walk. So for them, it might be something else. Um, You know, I think a dog has certainly helped me get like, if she's acting up, I'm like, oh, got time to go for a walk, right? Like, I'll need to take a break from my, from my work to do that. Um, You know, so I think for a lot of people just find the things in which when you do them, you feel more energized. a lot of people just is like laying with their dog, right? Or laying with their cat or, you know, just like spending time with them. It's been shown to lower cortisol. So what are the things that when you do them and come back to your work, you can actually work less hours, total hours, but you're more focused when you work. And so that's what I'm aiming for. That's awesome. Okay. So share with us a time when you may have thought, um, uh, like work-life balance was the thing that you needed to do and you needed to schedule everything equally. If you ever believed that, did you ever have an aha moment that basically, you know, smacked you upside the head and (laughs) basically said like, you need to take better care of yourself? Yes. Um, it wasn't, so I have like kind of like two tracks, right? I have like a business track and then I have like kind of a, like a, uh, you know, food obsession, exercise obsession kind of track. And they both had different aha moments. So with, um, with my nutrition and fitness, I think I became, I'm sure like you have experienced too, Robin, like become a little obsessive for me. It became a full-time job eating six or seven times a day, or either like buying food, prepping food, making food, eating food, or washing dishes because you just ate, right? So it's like this con and, or I was at the gym three times a day and I was always thinking about when I had to go back. So it became this full-time job. And I remember it was in actually 2010, it was right after, or 2011, it was right after you and I had met for the first time. And I had been dieting for a really long time. I had a bunch of photo shoots and I was doing a couple shows all right in a row. I ended up dieting for like eight months straight. And I remember at the end of it, I did not have anything else planned and I was not going to be competing anymore. And I was like, wow, I have to figure out how to eat forever because I'm not doing another show. Whereas before that was kind of like my goal. I always had a goal. I would just diet down for that thing. And I remember being really scared by that, but also feeling liberated by that because I was like, okay, I have to figure this out once and for all. And I'm so sick of this dieting food that I don't even care if I gain 50 pounds because I just can't eat it anymore. And I remember throwing my hands up and it was the first time in like five years that I did not food prep on Sunday. And that felt really scary to me. So it's probably people on your, on your, you know, podcast being like, okay, like whatever. But when you're in it and you're so obsessed, not food prepping is really scary. Like not having the right foods around, you're so worried you're going to end up at the McDonald's drive-thru. And I remember 
not trusting myself enough, but I was like, I just can't make this food anymore. I just don't want to do it. I'm so exhausted mentally threw my hands up and I didn't food prep for the first week. And I was like, I don't even care if I gain weight, this and that. And I went through the whole week and I had like protein bars, protein shakes, uh, you know, like salad, takeout salads from whole foods, like just nuts, whatever was around. And I remember getting to the end of the week and being like, wow, I can't believe I survived that. Like and having that experience was a huge aha moment for me because up to that point I hadn't trusted myself enough to not have healthy things around, right? We always, you know, tell our clients, make sure you don't keep it in the house or make sure you have healthy stuff on hand or else you'll really mess up. And so for me, having the experience of that was like, wow, I can actually maintain my weight and not be miserable and also not have to food prep. And honestly, I probably haven't cooked in like five years. I probably haven't cooked since then, <laughs> since that week. And I don't recommend that, but that's for me a way of getting super focused on my work is just not stressing about, you know, just like having to grocery shop and I was wasting so much food and things like that. So that was like one huge aha moment. Do you have a happy medium now or it's just always on the go? It's pretty much always on the go. I haven't turned my stove on in like, I don't know, six months. I mean, it's, it's fine. Like it's, it's good, but I, I'm super lucky to be in SoCal where it's everything's convenient. I get a whole food salad. I do protein shakes, I do protein bars. And then we have a bunch of like food delivery services that you can get like a delicious salad and stuff. So I don't eat junk food and, uh, but I do eat moderately 365 days a year. So that experience really helped me trust myself around food. And that was a huge aha moment. In terms of business, um, I came from a background of personal training, like 60, 70, 80 hours a week, uh, crazy hours. And I just said yes to everything because I was so nervous and operating from that scarcity mindset that my clients were going to just like leave me all the time. So I was like, I need to make sure that I you know, I'm super available whenever they need me and whatever money they give me, I'll take it. And I had this aha moment. It was in 2000 and I think it was in 2009. I was actually driving across town like 20 minutes to uh, train someone for 30 minutes for $15 at eight o'clock at night on Friday. And I was like, right now? Why am I actually personal? All my friends were out at dinner. My family was all together. And I was driving across, con- across town to, to personal train one person for $15 at eight o'clock at night on Friday. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm never doing this again. How did I get here? Because you just don't think about it. And so for me, that was a huge turning point. I started to get way more discerning in terms of the times in which I train clients. It was really scary because I lost some clients. I lost probably 10% of my clientele because I was like, here's the only times I'm training. And also I'm going to double my price. And also like, if you can't fit into my schedule, then we're not training together. And so I did lose about 10% of my clients, but I was happy because, you know, just as much as we want them, they want us too. So a lot of them were willing to change and work with me, but that was a huge aha moment too. And I was like, what am I doing? And I started getting a lot more discerning. And I think that's a theme for so many different businesses that when we're getting started, we say yes to everything because we don't know how to say no and we don't know how to step into um, our priorities or have like a strong voice to ourselves. And it's not until we surround ourselves with the people that are doing it that we then, you know, like by osmosis, it oozes into us. And then we're like, oh, okay, we can stand up for ourselves now. <laughs> for sure. It's a you know, it took me like getting a mentor and like hiring a coach and like reading a whole bunch of books. And, you know, it took someone that I respected, um, to kind of show me the way to show me that I wasn't valuing my time to be like, Jill, you deserve a raise. Like that was the first time I hired a business coach. 
And I needed someone else to believe in me before I believed in myself. And I know it sounds like kind of just like, you know, kind of like a week now I'm like totally on board. But I do think when you're first getting started without having someone who has had the experience or has influence or who you respect tell you that, hey, you deserve to be getting more for this. You, you know, you can, you are worth more. Uh, and having someone believe in you that strongly and also show you the example of someone who's living that lifestyle you don't really know that it's possible. Mm, that's awesome. Okay. So we've kind of touched upon how you nourish yourself with food, but um, outside of fuel, how do you nourish yourself on a daily basis? I always feel so funny when people ask me about self-care because I don't have any like rituals that I follow. One of the biggest things that I do in terms of like nurturing myself is um, I surround myself with like books and podcasts in terms of like, I'm always learning for me. That's like a luxury. I just feel like safe around books and like having a ton of them in my space so that I can pull anything. I love the idea of being able to educate myself at the drop of the dime. So I spent a lot of money on training. I spent a lot of money on coaching. I spent a lot of money on uh, different educational things like gaps that I want to fill in my own knowledge. So I know it sounds kind of strange, but self-care for me is taking care of my brain and nourishing my brain for some people like my ex, uh, Jade Tita, who a lot of you guys probably know, he, you know, he reads research. Like he feels the most happy when he's like reading research articles. Um, and for me, that's how I decompress. If I have like a book or I surround myself with people and we're having intelligent conversations and we're questioning things and we're curious about stuff or we're talking about, um, you know, things that are interesting that aren't, is not small talk for me, that is totally relaxing, um, and extremely nourishing to my brain. I love it. And I love that you said, uh, like, I don't know if this is a little weird. Like, it was almost like you were hesitating to say it. Like, no, you nourish your brain and that's what, like, fills you up. Like, that's completely, like, let's be unapologetic, please. Like, <laughs> um, I, I love that. And I'm going to bet, are the two categories that are always in rotation, business and self-development, or do you ever escape into, say, uh, a fiction novel? Sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, one of the things that I haven't really talked about all that much, I mean, I've talked about it a little bit is the fact that I actually wrote a romance novel in 2013. Shut up. Yeah, 82,000 word romance in 2013, just basically to get myself out of like a writer's block slump. And I just wanted it to exist. I had read the genre quite a bit up until that point. Um, I like to read fantasy too. And I like that kind of stuff. Um, I haven't in a while. But yeah, I love and I don't really watch a whole lot of television, but I do read fiction all the time. Okay, so now is the romance novel like Fifty Shades of Grey romance or was it like like the notebook romance? Um, I would say it's like in between. It's not as First of all, Fifty Shades is really not written well and this is written even worse than that. <laughs> it is not published. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever publish it. For me, it was an exercise in um, being creative and I love the experience. And it was just like a, a story that I wanted to exist in the world. Um, and after I finished it, I had this like kind of, um, I was like sprinting to the finish. I had like all my chapters outlined. And as soon as I got within like five or six chapters of being done, I was like all about it. I was like, this is, I, this is I'm just going to get this finished. Was super pumped. I actually gave it to an editor. She gave it back to me and I just got super overwhelmed with edits. And I was like, and I shelved it. And I don't know that I'm excited about it anymore. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll bring it back and edit it and put it under a pen name. But yeah, for me, it was it was just super fun to, to do that. Mm -hmm. I published a book last summer 
and I barely talk about it. Like I did a six week marketing stint, like pushing it out into the world, published it. Like it's living on my site. People ask me about it occasionally. I did, I did maybe like five podcast interviews and I just like put it out. And, um, a business coach asked me the other day, like, why don't you talk about it more? Why don't you, well, like, why don't you promote it constantly? Like, this is a great piece of work. I was like, I know, but it's about a really painful part of my life that I've kind of closed the book on, um, you know, like completely like pun intended. Um, and it's, it's a book about calling off my wedding and finding a life that I love now and eight practical steps, um, to healing my heart. But I've, I've done those things and I'm continuously improving my life, but talking about, like talking about broken relationships, talking about healing, um, after leaving a relationship is, is not like a fun space for me. And I'm not a psychiatrist. So I have a really hard time holding space for those that are in, in it. Um, and so like, that's why the book was out there, but so I can understand, like it, it was an amazing creative process. I loved being able to put pen to paper. Um, but I, I had to like put like it's on, it's on the shelf and it's, it's, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there, there just are seasons in your business, right. Where you're more pumped about talking about one specific thing and then you're kind of over it. And it doesn't mean you never come back to it. It just means like you're on to the next thing. So what's been going on lately is I've been just feeling a little bit claustrophobic in my space. Like I love fitness and nutrition and I love mindset and I love talking about these things, but I've, I've been talking about them for six years now. And so I still love like my, my number one passion is business. I love coaching business. Um, and I love fitness. I've kind of come back around to fitness after kind of being off it after competing and stuff. Um, you know, but like in mindset, I always will always be there, but I feel claustrophobic in that we're all kind of saying the same thing at this point. And I love it. To me, the messages are great about accepting your body, loving your body, you know, mindset and all this kind of stuff. And, um, I'm too super passionate about that. And I'm just seeing it more and more. But for me personally, as a creator, I'm like, what's next? I'm always like, what's next? What, how can I evolve? How can I pivot? How can I be different? How can I stand out? How can I reach more people? Um, and so I totally understand the idea of being super passionate about something for a period of time and then being like, okay, I'm done with that. And right. Yeah. And I think that's also why I built into the definition that an alpha female doesn't ever want to stay complacent because I think that's the mentality when we do something so often, we're, we're not actually learning anything more ourselves. And one of my favorite mantras um, from one of my podcast guests, Rebecca Baruki, is we're all here to learn and to teach. So if we're not learning something new, then how are we going to be able to teach it to the world? So I totally get that mentality. Um, Okay. So I asked my guests about their weekly fitness routine. And I know you said that you work out in the morning for like 30 minutes. Is it all resistance weight training? Do you do uh, other than the leisurely walk? Is there any other sort of cardio in your world? Not really, to be honest with you. Just, I have like PTSD from doing like so much long period of time. Um, you know, I might do 10 minutes of intervals as like a kind of a cardio primer as like part of my warm up. But after that, if I do any cardio, it's more like metabolic conditioning with weights or I'll do track sprints. And so right now I have something going on called metabolic, uh, it's called Metcon monster. It's actually a challenge we're doing on Instagram. We have like 5,000 women signed up. It's super awesome, but all the workouts are super short, but they're really intense, but they're all metabolic conditioning. So I'm actually transitioning into more of that. I put on like significant muscle over the last, uh, six or eight months. 
Um, and so I'm kind of just wanting to maintain and wanting to, for me, it's always what is the minimum effective dose that I have to be in the gym to maintain my physique and maybe see some additional physique results, but nothing too crazy. So Metcon monster is all about 30 minute workouts, all resistance training based dumbbells, barbells. Um, but other than that, and you know, and anyone who's done you know, that kind of weight training knows that it's extremely cardio. So I'm not too worried about like heart health and stuff like that. That's awesome. Um, okay. So I'm wondering if, uh, because you said you don't really have a self-care practice, so I don't know how this question's going to go, but I always ask my guests, what are your daily habits for winding down at night and reducing any stress that may have built up? Okay. Yeah, this is good. You know, it's when I said that I don't have any self-care practices is because I feel like when I talk to women, they're like, Oh, I go to the spa with my girlfriends or I once a week, these kind of more typical. And I love that stuff. I mean, who doesn't love that stuff? I don't have really a schedule that I follow. Um, and I, I don't journal, I don't meditate, you know, I wish sometimes that I did, but I'm also like over like feeling bad about not doing it too. So <laughs> different ways to do this. Um, for me at night, honestly, spending time with my dog, um, she's always like super cute and super relaxed at night. Um, a lot of times I'll have like a glass of wine or I'll, um, hang out with my friends. I have a couple. So I think I, I think that I told you this, or, you know, this, that I left my marriage two years ago, um, and moved out to LA and it was, you know, at the time, of course, it was kind of like devastating slash just confusing and disorienting. And now it's just great. I'm really, on really good terms with my ex. But when I moved out to California, I had, um, you know, just one or two friends or acquaintances out here. And now I have my circle is much bigger, a lot of different types of people, a lot of different activities to do. So, um, I'm pretty lucky in, in that there's always like somewhere to go or, you know, a book signing or a show or a comedy show, or there's always kind of something to do. And I try and do those a couple of days a week just to be social. Um, but for the most part, I'm pretty chill. Like I like to go to bed early on nights that I'm not doing things and I like to get eight hours of sleep and I like to get up early and work in the morning. For me, it's, I'm the most creative in the morning and I like to go to the gym early. So, um, my self care practice is just getting into bed, but it's also my, my one-on-one and my close friends and my family relationships have become so much more important to me now that I'm not in that long-term, you know, romantic relationship for me, just having other people to fill different you know, emotional spaces for me, whether that's like, you know, someone to support me or talk through some business stuff with or connect with or laugh with or go have a drink with, you know, I like the idea of having like a menu of kind of really close friends and family, a group of them that I can kind of tap anytime. And I feel super blessed and so lucky to have the people in my life who have been supportive with me over the last two years. And we've really gotten a lot closer. Um, and it's just a different way of living. It's, it's different than what it looks like five years ago for me. Mm, I love that. And no, I actually didn't know that until I'm on uh, Danny J's email list um, until uh, she had shared that she had left her marriage as well and had come and had come to live with you. And uh, Danny's been on the on the podcast, um, I think last year. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's so interesting about how when we're in a new phase of life and we're we're healing, we're going through grief how we take the time to build our female relationships back up. Um, if we had potentially ever kind of let them fall by the wayside because we had put so much time and energy into a romantic relationship. And I remember like one of my like first kind of like goals, um, as I was rebuilding after calling off the wedding was to date my friends. And like that, that was like a new concept for me because I'd been so unhealthily codependent 
on my partner that I had like lost so many friendships that, um, like when I looked to them for support, I realized that they were gone. And I was like, well, that is, that's like, that's on me. So how do I work on that now? And, um, I got into a new relationship, uh, in 2016 and I like, I made myself a promise that I wouldn't let that happen again, that I would still, and I also moved from Toronto to Ottawa for the relationship. So I, I left my entire tribe and I basically am now, I'm like the kid on the playground, like running up to girls being like, hi, will you be my friend? <laughs> and they're looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm just like, it's really hard to make adult friends. Like, please just be my friend. <laughs> Well, it's funny you say that. I kind of like joke, Danny and I kind of joke that we're like in this midlife crisis space, but I'm like, you know, I'm like, I just got a nose ring for my birthday and like just all this stuff. It's, but you know, no one really talks about Danny was in a 10 year marriage. I was in a 10 year marriage. No one really talks about like what happens when, especially for us, we don't have kids. Like if people split up and they have kids, then they, you know, have, you know, other moms that are their friends just by proxy because their kids are in school together, whatever it looks like. We're entrepreneurs, right? We're traveling. We work from home. Uh, for us, it really is about like who else has this kind of lifestyle. And so people are messaging me on Instagram and Facebook and saying, you know, you and Danny J have this bromance or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, we do actually. Like what? Because I mean, it's like, and they're like, wow, you're having fun. And we're like, yeah, we're in Vegas. We're going out. We're at, you know, we're going clubbing and stuff. It's not we're still taking care. We're still being responsible and taking care of our businesses. But at the same time, it's like, no one's really talking about what women are supposed to do in that space. We're not supposed to, we're supposed to stay home and like not be open and not be kind of out or have different, take up new hobbies or be new spaces or travel to new places or be alone. Or, um, and so I kind of, I'm feeling like I want to talk about that more actually. Mm, I love it. I, um, jumped into making seasonal bucket lists. That was one of my like tactics for healing. And I love it because it stayed with me. And it, when I started dating again, it became a dating tool. I'd like hand my summer bucket list to a guy and be like, what do you want to do on my list? <laughs> um, and now when I make them, I have a winter one because our winters are quite horrible up here. And then I have a summer one because our summers are really short. And I always try to put... Um, like things that I can do on my own, things that I want to do with my partner and things that I would do with my friends or strangers. And I tried to like make that really important. But I remember my first summer, um, I did a whole bunch of adrenaline junkie things. And I remember, I remember one of my coworkers saying like, what are you running away from? I'm like, uh, sadness, <laughs> like flat out sadness. Like I, d I don't want to dwell and be sad. So I'm fabricating happy moments in my life. <laughs> like it's you know, And also like we were married so young too. And like, we basically lived our forties and our twenties. Like I went to bed at eight 30 all through my twenties. You know what I mean? Like I was at the gym three times. I was working all these hours and I loved it back then. But now it's a, I have a different lifestyle. I'm on. I'm in a different space. I'm, I have more free time. I have more money than I had back then. Like there's all these just different things. And when you're not in that like very domesticated place, which I loved by the way, and I'm I'm hoping to get back to there at some point when I'm ready. But you know, I think it's okay to have this like weird period of time or to like allow for there to be space to do different things and to have these kind of bucket lists. And it doesn't mean that you're going off the rails or you've lost your mind or like, you know, you're, um, 
that if something's wrong, I think something is right when you're doing that. So Danny and I talk about that a lot. Like, you know, we didn't really do a lot of, I, I didn't ever do dating. I was, I haven't been single since I was 18. So just, it's a totally different space. And I'm kind of like, what's the alternative to embracing it is like, thinking something's wrong with it. And I'm not willing to do that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're willing to start talking about it and hopefully I'll start seeing some more posts on social, but I know like Danny's starting to talk about it more too. And it's, it's a scary space because we don't want to be, I think, I think the hardest thing about talking about grief and how, how we deal with it is that we don't want to be in an, in a negative space and we don't want to talk about the bad things, but Um, but we do need to talk about like how we're learning to deal with it and how we're learning to process grief because it's so different for every single person. But the more we share, the more someone resonates with it and goes, Oh, I can do that for myself too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Or they just see that they're in, in, you know, I'm happy to talk about, I have been actually talking a lot about my, my journey, my process, but I wasn't always ready to talk about it. Right. Like, and I think that goes to what you're saying is you don't want to talk about something when you don't really know what the lesson is yet for me. And not that you need to be like 100% tied up with a bow, but in a sense you don't really know. So it would just be dumping in being like, you know, so for me, I was having a lot of people reach out to me and say, are you and your husband still together? I haven't seen you guys post together. And I ignored every single question for like, every single question I just ignored. Um, and it's not that I didn't feel like, you know, I, I was appreciative that people cared, uh, but I wasn't ready to talk about it yet. You know, so it's, it's what am I supposed to just like, I'm not going to go out there and dump. I certainly didn't want to throw him under the bus because we were still working on our relationship. So I, I do love the more honest conversations that a lot of people are having in this space. And really, Rob and I see everything as just normal. So I like the idea of normalizing things. I think there's a lot of different types of relationships that we can have. I think there's a lot of different ways that growing older can look. I think not everyone needs to have the the white picket fence and the kids and all that kind of stuff. You know, as a female entrepreneur and working from home, there's a lot more options that I don't think people really knew was on the menu 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So I'm kind of, I feel like I'm, we're kind of navigating this very new space and no one really knows what it's supposed to look like yet, which to me is really exciting. Mm, I love that. And we kind of just answered my next question is what are some pain points of being an alpha female that you're problem solving for right now? And, um, I love that it, like the theme is coming around, but normalizing conversations, um, and not making them fit into, uh, you know, a societal box that, um, like has been an expectation of how people talk about things or how you don't talk about breakups because, you know, you're supposed to go through through those things privately. And then once you've learned the lesson, you come out on the other side and you just share, you just share the happy place that you're at. Um, but I think it is a pain point of how do we talk about the, the vulnerable, the vulnerable parts. Um, and the social media world is so, so weird because it's so easy to, do like the verbal diarrhea overshares and then just go like, Oh, I, I guess I shouldn't have done that to my entire tire world. Like there's a time and a place for that, but I felt called to do it. So, Oh, well. Yeah. I mean, I try, I mean, it's, I think sometimes it can come off like borderline dumping or like depressing. I don't know if you've ever read, sometimes I read like someone's blog or post and I'm like, why do I feel depressed after that versus inspired? Um, so I do think for me, it's not that you have to have, you know, every single lesson and be fully clear on everything, but you do have to have something that you can share that can leverage for someone else. Otherwise, why are you sharing it? Um, and to your point, it might just be so that someone else can relate and not feel as alone. And that's powerful too. I think one of the things 
talking about pain points as an entrepreneur, yes, I mean, there's relationship stuff, especially as a personal brand, people feel like a little bit entitled to know what's going on with you, or we've been with you for a long time. And you know, we deserve to know we grew up with you. And I do, I'm sensitive to that. I understand. Um, but as an, uh, like an alpha, what you would call an alpha female, I think one of the things that I do struggle with is this paradox of a strong woman. So we hear like, you know, women need to be strong and like all this kind of stuff. And I feel super in my power, feel really independent. A lot of things I used to depend on my partner for, I figured out how to do myself. And, and so there's this, you know, a body of evidence to show that I'm more independent, that I do, I'm able to do things. I'm capable, I'm competent. Um, but there's a little bit of a backlash. I've been talking about this with some of my mastermind members that, you know, when women learn to take compliments Instead of being like, oh, no, this whole thing, they start to say, thank you so much. I love it, too. Then you get some people being like, well, she's full of herself or she thinks she's the shit or whatever that is. And so we're starting to see this like very strange paradox where you have to be confident, but not too confident. Or, you know, you need to be uh, in your power, but also humble. But then you need to not be, you know, not love yourself too much because a little self-loathing is helpful to keep you in check, right? So I'm actually writing on... This is exhausting just listening. (laughs) I'm like writing, right, like how can you even control that kind of stuff? And so that's, I'm actually writing a piece now entitled The Paradox of Being a Strong Woman. And so how do we deal with, or how do we even just process, it's not even for us to try to control, right? We can never control how we're perceived, but it's how do we process some of those conflicting messages to just follow the path that we want to be taking. Um, and it's just to bring attention to the fact that like, you know, my, my friend, Chrissy King, she was, uh, someone said, um, you know, I like your shirt or whatever. And she was like, I know, right. I love it. And other friend who was like, don't you think you're a little full of yourself? And she was like, well, I do love it. They like it. And obviously I like it cause I'm wearing it. So like, why wouldn't I just say that? And so it's just this interesting conversation to have, Um, and it's not that anything is wrong. It's just about like bringing attention to women showing up fuller in their power. Maybe it's scary to the person, to the person or the people around you, but it's also to me a huge service and I'm starting to see it a lot more. And so that's awesome. Mm, That's amazing. All right. So we come to the end of the show and my favorite question. Um, but will you share with our listeners, what is your definition of happiness? Ah, yeah. Wow. Such a loaded question, right? Um, there's a lot of things like, you know, drinking a nice glass of red wine, but no, it's, um, for me, it is being in flow. Uh, for me, it's being in flow with the things that I'm creating in my life. So for me, there's nothing more liberating than being able to wake up in the morning and have like this flying canvas and which on which I can create anything I want to. So for me, maybe it's social media or writing a blog or writing an article or writing an email to my list or just a space that I can express myself fully. And I think one of the beautiful things about having a personal brand is that you do get to go in whatever direction you want to. I feel the most in flow and happiest when I don't feel beholden to any sort of restrictions on what I write or what I create or what I post or what I, you know, what photos I share or videos that I do or podcasts that I talk to uh, on, I feel um, the happiest when I'm in that creative flow. And it's not ongoing. Like there's certainly times where I just feel creatively stumped or I have a little bit of a slump and that's normal. And I've had it experienced it enough times now to know that it is normal and it's always transient. But for me, it's always that space of being able to, um, I feel super happy when I'm super pumped about something I'm creating that I know is going to have an impact for someone. 
I love it. Well, thank you so much for how you're showing up in the world and for making time for us today. Well, thank you for this feels so self-indulgent. Thank you so much for asking. I love this kind of stuff. So I appreciate you. For the listeners of the Alpha Female Podcast, Audible is now offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you can check out their service. There's some amazing books like You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero or The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash alpha. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash alpha for your free audiobook. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. And I would love you to eternity and back if you would be so kind to open your podcast app of choice. Go do it now before changing to the next episode. And just leave me a rating and review. It'll help other alpha females find this podcast and join in on the conversations. You can find more of me at robinbaldwin.com and join us next week for another inspiring chat. Have a spectacular day.